You're listening to the Give Me Five Podcast Special Edition Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 4. Oh my god, there's only two left. <laughs> yo, yo. Real talk, down home. I needed to do this song. Yo, I'm a nerd. It's a big secret, but I'm a nerd. And I love these books. If you watch it on HBO and think you know what's going on, I appreciate that. The people who waited five years for dance... This one's for you. Check it. Yeah. Welcome to the Gimme 5 podcast. As you guys should know by now that this is our special reviews of Game of Thrones. We go through the episode mostly in recap fashion and we talk about the stuff we liked, the stuff we didn't like, and all of the stuff in between. And as always, I am here with Rob. That's me. Uh, apparently something is going on with Rob's voice. Also, I'm here with Jimmy. Tricaris. <laughs> and back by popular demand, our guest from last week and our guest for this week and hopefully for the rest of the, the episodes, Mr. Mert Price. Oh, thank you. Popular demand. Wow, that, that feels Welcome good. back, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm happy to be back. So, yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to recap the episode and, uh, you know, and... Uh, Rob, tell, tell them what happens with spoilers. They spoil things. Okay, there we go. I don't. If you haven't watched the episode, I have no idea why you're listening. Uh, so. uh, maybe you are like uh, my girlfriend's friend uh, and can't stand the sound of accents, <laughs> which weird. is the funniest reason not to watch it. Seriously, why she doesn't watch it? Yeah. Oh so if we God. did the podcast with accents. You know how yeah. my accents go. They're not. <laughs> no, not good. I mean, could, okay. she, could she watch in subtitles then? Maybe. I don't know. We're like, you just got to watch the last couple of episodes. Make it like a silent film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Yeah. Let's dive right into it. Take us on in, Jim. All right. Well, a reminder um, at the very beginning of the episode that some of your most favorite characters are, in fact, dead. And they are not coming back. So the show opens with our survivors... And our dead piled atop of, uh, I guess, funeral pyres outside of Winterfell. And we see Jorah, Leanna Mormont. I was going to say, I didn't even think about it last week. But this week, they kind of they kind of highlighted that of all the deaths last week, each of the main characters essentially had one person die that they actually cared about. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've got, you've got Danny with Jorah. Very, very emotional there. Um, Sansa and Theon. So, and I, that was a weird one, but that one, they, they've set that up over the last several episodes where that was, that was a very, uh, potent connection for the two of them. Yeah. Hey, um, don't forget about this relationship. Yeah, exactly. And then you've got little Leanna Mormont and Jon Snow. Um, the only one that was, oh, Beric and Arya. I mean, Beric yeah. saved Arya's life. Um, and actually, wasn't he on her list to kill at one point? So at that one was, point, yeah, yes, he, he was. That, that was kind of interesting. And then, of course, you've got uh, um, Sticky Ricky and Sam. Oh, Sticky Ricky <laughs> saved Sam like 140 times last episode. <laughs> In that one episode alone. To which I say, have respect for the dead, sir. You, it, okay. I, I know. I'll get, I'm going to get you on that. <laughs> I'm going to get you. Now, now let, I really like the way they framed that because they did a lot of extreme close-ups on those shots. Mm -hmm. Where they were showing, you know, what'd Danny you say? Talking to, what I extreme close up? Whoa, yes, I wow. got to make a Wayne's World reference. 
just, just, just you wait. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, yeah, I liked, I liked all the extreme close-ups, and then they cut back, and you just realize just how many people that were lost. You know, the people at my house when they cut to that large shot of all of the pyres about to be lit, it was like, oh, yeah. I mean, you you knew, but seeing it all laid out like that, it was and, a, a bit shocking. And some of the angles were weird too. Was I the only one who, when they showed Theon, went, "Who the hell is that?" I, I said, was, the, I said the same weird... thing. Yeah, I said the same thing. I was like, I, I had to turn sideways. <laughs> I thought the same thing. I, I was going to say another thing that struck me too was that the the pyres were multiple. They had multiple layer layer levels, and you had like. Uh, the dead at the bottom, and then there was another layer, and some seemed to be like three oh, or yeah. four high. Mm-hmm. During this close-up, I mean, we've got a very touching scene where uh, just between Sansa and Theon, where Sansa mm-hmm. actually uh, symbolically je- gives Theon the gesture in death that he is a member of House Stark, where she takes her the sigil pin of the House Stark and places it on his corpse before they before they light them up. Yeah, he was inducted into the Stark Circle of Honor posthumously 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 <laughs> whatever but yeah that was a powerful moment it definitely um seems that he was re- he basically got redemption for everything that had happened in the previous yeah, but, episodes mm-hmm. yeah between last episode where you know Bran says you're a good a good man theon and you know finally getting fully accepted into house stark i think after after his death was very touching i thought that the cut away from this scene went from very somber to very party-like, but not just because of the fact that they cut to a party, but they went from lighting the pyres to eating very good-looking barbecued food. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think of that. And I I was like, and I just turned to the group of people I was with, and just to humor myself, I dropped the barbecued they on anyone. (laughs) Have respect for the dead, sir. Thank you. Thank you. I wasn't really going to actually even say that in the episode, but I needed to set Jimmy up. So there it is. You got your revenge. <laughs> but but where, yeah. where, where I'm from, they call that the repass, where you have the funeral, then you have the repass. It's where people gather, mm. they have food, they drink, they talk about the person. And it, uh, it, it kind of lifts the spirits. But yeah, that was, I, that was, I was thinking, that's a repass. Okay. I get it. Um, yeah. So, you know, we have a little have a little speech by uh, Braveheart Targaryen or whatever his name is. That's largely forgettable, but everybody's getting hammered. <laughs> yeah. There's drinking games. I mean, uh, there's a, a huge celebration at Winterfell. And <laughs> and somebody does not give a crap about the celebration at all. They are only interested in finding one person. Oh, yeah. Are you are are you talking about uh, Gendry? I am. Yes. yes. Yep. Because the camera pans over to him, and he's just sitting at the table, just kind of looking around. Have it? Have you seen her? Have you seen Arya? Has anybody seen Arya? Where's like Arya? The dude in like a high school party that went to the the party just to see that one girl, and she didn't show up that night. He's exactly. Craning that, his neck. Is that something that happened? Do you want to talk about that? I do actually. That that's a different podcast. <laughs> Mert, do you have a degree in psychology? <laughs> I do not, but you would think I, I have a degree because every day people show up to the side of my truck and they and I roll down the window and they want to talk to me about their problems. Oh, man. <laughs> you just got <laughs> that kind imagine. of face. <laughs> people I, always I, tell me their problems. I can't wait to do a, a proper interview with you, Mert. I, I really hope you'd, you'd be down to, to doing that in the future. Um, I have so many questions about your profession. 
it, it is a, it is a crazy ride. Yes, I'm down. Just let me know. Awesome, awesome. man. I, I look forward to it. So Gendry, yeah, the the hound has a a nice little dad conversation with Gendry. Uh, and uh gendry doesn't want to hear it he just wants to go and are we gonna we're gonna go ahead and jump to this you know past the drinking games and past all the really stuff that really wasn't important um gendry is made uh, what do you call it yeah the um lord gendry baratheon the lord of storm's end yeah yes good up so danny names gendry um, Lord of the uh, house start and the end of the street she, or whatever. She lets him. She lets him dangle a little bit first, letting everybody wonder where she's going with this. Yeah, I thought I was like, is she? Uh, yeah, she was messing with them. It was kind of I don't know. I thought but she was going to be like, okay, well you're dead, and then that was like, all right, she's crazy. Mm-hmm. But she, I, I mean, she accomplishes two things here because I mean, we saw a little bit earlier with with John giving the speech. How how he moved everyone and everyone you know listened to John and and gave him the deference that he deserves as the king in the north. Um, but she accomplishes two things here. One, she she basically secures Gendry's loyalty to her because she made him a lord. But she also shows everybody else that she can be generous and that she's that she's just as leader material she's just as much leader material benevolent as yes mm. she's just as much leader material as john is she's president yeah she's just got yep. presidential quality <laughs> yeah that that john speech it was amazing because i think the camera panned on her uh, to go back and everybody was moved by this speech i mean it was like the independence day speech it was like one of those oh yeah to watch and everybody's getting motivated and you look at her and she's looking because she's noticing what's going on and I think she even mentioned later on, uh, going too far, but, you know, people love John. It's something about him. He has that leadership quality. He has that, I walk in the room and the spotlight's on me and everybody knows me and everybody sees me, you know, type of deal. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. And mm-hmm. we see in the hall when they're partying that Tormund, Tormund's drunk ass comes up to John. God, and he's, Tormund. <laughs> it was it was It was really, really a, a, a funny scene, but... Tormund comes up to John. And he's like, "Oh, the hero of Winterfell. You know, he 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 came back from the dead. You know, and I think that's a quality that a lot of people are like, holy shit, he came back from the dead to fight for us. And, Whoa, you know, who else has done that? So, and he has that kind of dopey look on his face, like, oh, hey, you know, I don't really want the attention, but okay, you know. So he's he's a lot more puppy dog than Danny is. Danny and, just yeah. there's a whole lot and, of crazy going behind those eyes now. And I just have to say that that this conversation right here between Tormund and John is the line of the episode because they're talking about drinking and John's like, "No, I'm not going to do it all at one gulp." And he's and Tormund's like, "Yes, we're celebrating." And John says, "Vomiting is not celebrating." And Tormund <laughs> says, "What?" He says, "Yes, it is." <laughs> <laughs> That is my favorite line of the episode. Can Vomiting he end up on the celebrating? Throne? Yes, it is. <laughs> Can he just turn around and go back to King's Landing and sit on the throne? Can we do that? Exactly. Westeros would be much funnier if Tormund was on the throne. After that, Danny is kind of looking around, and aside from her her friend, the Starbucks cup, there ain't nobody <laughs> hanging around her. So and yeah, I think we have to cover the Starbucks cup, which is the most talked about Starbucks to. cup this side of that of the one that no longer had Christmas pictures on it. 
Um, <laughs> so today, of course, the news broke that someone, some poor uh, production assistant left a Starbucks yeah, yeah. on their thing, and he's never going to live it down if he ever reveals himself, but there's a Starbucks cup in a shot and it's, it's kind of in the background, but it is very well lit. And so it's, it's pretty obvious when you look at it. So people were messing up, but people were freaking uh, out. And anyone that says like, Whoa, you can see, you don't care about the season because of that. I mean, there's hey, there's uh, airplanes in Braveheart and that one, that show, that movie won an Academy award. There's uh, what'd you say today? There's a there's- car in like the fellowship of the ring. Yeah, I there's think. a there's a digital like Casio watch in 300. It happens. It sucks, but it happens. Yeah. So, who the hell still wears Casio watches? Well, back when they made 300, someone did. <laughs> it's a retro thing. I, I don't know. Um, so I'm gonna circle back around here to to what I was talking about at the beginning of this segment. Uh, Gendry finally finds Arya, who also doesn't give a crap about the celebration. Uh, Gidry finds Arya shooting arrows at targets, and he says, well, you, you know, you should be out there, you know, celebrating with everyone. You know, what are you doing? She goes, I am celebrating. And we see one of the most cataclysmic, re- you know, rejections ever. You know, I you see where, you know, sometimes a guy will go down on one knee and propose to his girlfriend and, you know, at a basketball game or something when the cameras are on, she'll turn around and run away. Oh, my God. Those are the worst. They are. And I felt the same way about Gendry getting rejected here. And and see, I I watched that scene and I thought Arya did it very tactfully because there was there's I mean, honestly, when someone proposes, there's no good way to. Re- I mean, let's let's be because so <laughs> if you're going to reject him, he's getting his he's getting crushed. But I thought she did it very well in that she said, you know, that's not me. I've never been a lady because he asks her to be the lady of Storm's End. And she says, that's not for me. I've never been a lady. You're you will make a wonderful husband for somebody and you'll make a great lord. But that's not me. Arya just said that she wasn't about that life. And yeah, for me, just seeing Gendry shoot his shot, you know, as they say, he was got down on one knee, proposed. The rule of, of, of marriage proposals is the number one rule is you have to know that they're going to say yes before you propose. Yeah, you should probably um, – I'm not even going to say be intimate with somebody, but like just be close to somebody for more than one night. <laughs> because you know that's what happened. She just rocked his world that's, and he was like, I need to lock this down. <laughs> that happened recently with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> Dude made a really poor drunk decision, got married, and now he's in all sorts of trouble. So, you know, Gendry got shot down. Uh, so since we were talking a little bit about, you know, who has a right to the throne and all that, um, there is some conversation with Bran that we sort of skipped over, where the, it says that Bran is basically the last trueborn son of Ned Stark, so he should technically be in charge of Winterfell. But I have a clip here of him talking Okay. Here I am in Sri Lanka, formerly Ceylon, at three o'clock in the morning, looking for 1,000 brown M&Ms to fill a brandy glass, or Ozzy wouldn't go on stage that night. So, Jeff Beck pops his head round the door and mentions there's a little sweet shop on the edge of town. So, we go, and it's closed. So there's me and Keith Moon and David Crosby breaking into this little sweet shop, right? Well... Instead of a guard dog, they've got this bloody great big Bengal tiger. Well, I managed to take out the tiger with a can of mace. 
But the shop owner and his son, that's a different story altogether. I had to beat them to death with their own shoes. Oh, man, I was going to finish that. Thank you so much. I love you so much. Yeah, so Bran, Bran just he, he just doesn't seem right. Yeah. Greg, yeah. will you be the lady of Winter Park? <laughs> I, I will. I he will. already is. I am. I already am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brand just he doesn't seem right. He just he seems like he's uh, done all of the. Uh, I think the, even what, even for a three eyed raven, he's weird. Like yeah. Max Van Sydow wasn't super weird. He was like, "Oh, I'm gonna protect this tree," and Brand's just like, "I don't want to do it anymore. I I don't want to anymore." And I'm just like, "Shut up! If you weren't warging into an avocado the last episode, more people would be alive." <laughs> I'm getting tired of his crap. <laughs> wow. That's that's the title of the episode right there, Warging into an Avocado. <laughs> yep. It's so great when it happens uh, organically, no pun intended there. Okay, let's let's move on here. I, I believe we're uh, to the Hound, right? No, yeah. no we're, we're playing drinking games, but I think we already classed it, so let's... Uh... Yeah, I mean, they were playing basically Truth or Dare, but it was just Truth, and it was Tyrion's game, so he got to do whatever he wanted. It's kind of never out. have I never, or never have I ever. If yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it basically yeah. turned into, it was fun until it wasn't, you know, which usually happens when too much alcohol is consumed. Uh, and then, you know, they started talking about Brienne's virginity, and it kind of led to, to stuff later on. But, so Brienne um, getting up and leaving? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Were we were we really surprised that she was a virgin, though? Not at mm-hmm. all. Uh, but I thought no. it was more because she didn't really care up until she did. You know, like... She was well. She was in love with what's his face, Rinley. Before Rinley, yeah, yeah. The 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 one night from like way early in what season, like one or two or something. Yeah, Robert. Yeah, Brandy's he was not brother. interested in yes. not interested in females. Nope. And, yeah. Yes. So, um, I did kind of like the Hound and Sansa conversation. It kind of came afterwards. I, you know, Sansa. I really got the feeling that she was a good wingman for for the Hound because I. Yeah, she and I. I love that that the hound, the, the the hound kind of expressed regret for not being able to get her out of King's Landing, but she kind of alleviates that regret by basically saying, "If I hadn't gone through all of that, I would." She said, "I'd still be a little." There's bird. a lot of that. Yeah, she said, "I'd still be a yeah. little yeah. bird." Yep. I forgot about that little bird thing until he said, it. "Really? I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I did." Hmm. I didn't. It, it was it was a nice moment between the two of them, and and <laughs> also. Illustrating, it really helped to underline how far Sansa has. Come. Oh yeah, and and she has. She's come so far from you know the you know to be betrothed to Joffrey to being you know the real head of House Stark and the real um, Lord of of Winterfell, basically. She she was the opposite of Drake. I mean, she started off at the top, then she went to the bottom, and then she went back to the. It's been a roller coaster mm-hmm. for her. Uh, in the house, there was some conversation about Sansa, at least at, when we were watching it here, where I was like, you know, you can see she's grown. And for the most part, she's been right most of the time. And we yep. find out again, she's kind of right this episode as well. And, you know, the people I was watching it with were like, well, I don't know. She's annoying. She's this. She's that. And I just, no, just kind of thought. She wasn't right in the beginning. Well, because she, she, she was starstruck once, with Joffrey. Once she evolved her character, she was right a lot more. But she, at the first half of the series, she was not right. And she was yeah. wrong about Joffrey. She was wrong about I'm trying to think of what else her where else her story arc took her. Well, obviously there was a the Ramsey stuff, which was hard. 
Yeah, she but. she was she for me was the most annoying character the entire like first. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Yeah, she definitely though the things the trials and tribulations and things that she went through shaped the person that she is now though, and I think that's kind of what she's explaining because had she not gone through that, she would still be like the the dumb whiny little girl that's all about I want to be queen or I want to be you know in the in King's Landing and have all the servants and everything. You know, mm-hmm. I definitely think that 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 shaped who he is now. But one of the things that I, I thought was interesting before was uh, Tormund getting shot down by Brienne as he was, uh, as, as at the oh, end yeah. of the drinking game, like he tried to shoot his shot then. I mean, as he has multiple times, you see those memes all over like Facebook where he's like, is the big woman there? Mm-hmm. But he tried. <laughs> yeah. And she's, well, actually I don't think it was Brienne that shot him down. Brienne got up and walked off. Tormund started to follow her and Jamie yeah. stepped in and Jamie yeah. was like, Nope. No, I got this. I was like, whoa, what? We have a great shot of super drunk Tormund, you know, crying to the hound. So speaking of the hound, and he's just pouring his heart out, and the hound just doesn't give a shit. You know, he's not just sitting all. there, and he's not really listening to Tormund. Tormund throws his arm around the hound, and he goes, "Don't touch get me. your hand off. Yeah, don't touch me. <laughs> Which was just, it was kind of heartbreaking, because, you know, Tormund got his heart broken and we will we will never see him and Brienne together. Um it's I, I'm of that opinion. I think we've seen Tormund for the last time. But he wasn't heartbroken so, for very long though. Because not very long. <laughs> a few minutes later, Sansa, you know, she kinda hooked him up. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the uh random Winterfell folk. <laughs> and tried to yeah. hook up the hound, but he wasn't having it. Man, the hound is another one of those characters that's just changed so much he has it, it really uh, at least for me i went from hating him to i really want him to kill the mountain and and i think i think we're headed there you know getting a little bit ahead uh, we mm-hmm. still have some more to cover in between there but like we said uh jamie kind of follows brienne out of the feast hall if you will and we we get a little bit of the uh a little bit of the relationship payoff for Jamie and Brienne here. Yeah, it it finally I happens. I love how awkward it was. <laughs> it, it was, was so awkward. awkward. She's Jamie- like, man, it's hot in here. And he's like taking off his shirt and she's like, I've learned that about the North. You have to keep your fire going. And he's like, damn it. Yeah. Let me, okay, let me take off your shirt now. Well, it was she, even. Like, looks at him. It, it and, was- and he just keeps taking off layers and. And he's like, oh, it's so hot in here. And he's trying to take off his shirt and he's fiddling with it, but he's only got the one hand. And Brienne's like, stop it. Let me help. And so yeah. she she goes to to help him. And then he reaches for her shirt. And she's like, what are you doing? And it's like, I thought we established that already. What? How <laughs> slow are you? What is going on here? Let me let me dive a little deeper into that uh, just real quick. Um, I, I think Jamie had this plan. And I think he's had it. He's had it for a long time. But we see a, a, a very different Jamie than, and we talked about it before. The dashing, you know, Lannister knight with his gold armor, who could basically sweep any woman off his feet, off their feet, her feet, um, or whoever's feet, you know, our feet, our feet. But he, I think he really had to get himself good and drunk because I think he was intimidated by Brienne, as a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. But he really did have feelings for it. Also, he's spent many seasons getting torn down, really. You know, first first his hand, then his yeah. golden armor, then his, mm-hmm. well, first his title, then his hand, then his golden armor. So, he's, I mean, and obviously everyone kind of knows now about his sister, and so it's been, it's been a thing. 
So we move on from Brianna and Jamie, and we and we sidle on over to John's room where he's kind of just like sitting on the edge of his bed, and there's a little knock at the door, and Danny comes in, and the first question she asks is, "Are you are drunk? you drunk?" <laughs> and and what does every drunk say when they're asked, "Are they drunk?" Nah, man, I'm good. No, no, I'm good. And then he goes to stand up and like almost falls. He's like, well, maybe I'm a little drunk. <laughs> and this is really the first time they've had an opportunity to talk to each other since the great reveal and not relating to like, well, let's not get killed. Yeah, there was a part of me here that I'm like, okay, one, finally, two, maybe it's going to be okay between them. And then, nope. Nope, not okay. But yeah, I think that Targaryen craziness might be kind of getting getting there's, to her. There's a reason. Well, I, I think part of it family. is that she's realizing yep. she's realizing that she's losing her grip on on what she has sought her entire life, and that would be the throne. Which I really feel at this point with Danny that she's more obsessed with having the title of Queen of the Seven Kingdoms than she is being a good queen. Though she says, like, oh, I want to protect the people and blah, blah, blah. But she's like, call me your queen. Bend the knee. Like, it's so important to her. Yes. To be the queen and recognized as the queen. Yes. What were you going to say, Mark? She has definitely evolved from, like, the sweet, innocent, you know, little, little, you know, young lady, the teenager from the the early episodes. And now she is just, um, she's looking kind of mad king-esque to me right now. She's kind of looking like... I think yeah. so. Yeah, it's it's it definitely in the conversation between the two of them. Um Danny professes her love for John. You know, they they almost kind of hook back up, but John stops her and says, "Hey, dude, back off. Like, let's talk about this." And Danny says, "Well, I got a solution to this. Don't tell anyone." So, who already knows Brandon Brandon Tyrion? Is is the only people that she thinks knows about it? Is that right? It's like Sam, Sam, and Sam, yeah, yeah. Sam, Sam and Bran. No, and that's what Danny thinks. And John's like, I've got to tell my sisters, you know, um, because they're like, oh, you know, and we'll get to that. But Danny, John's basically like, look, I'm not interested in the throne, even though, yeah, he's got a better. Uh, claim on it than she does and he says well what can I do to continue to serve you she says I've already told you what to do and uh, that was another you know um, the volume knob for on crazy went a little bit higher (laughs) for me a little bit closer to 10 so this is also where I think we get the first inclination that John may not be okay with the incest (laughs) Which is weird because it seems like half of the women in America are okay with the incest because they're like, well, John is dreamy. It, really well, I, I think half the people who watch the show are okay with the incest. They're like, ah, screw it. It's just a TV show. Whoa. It's not real. It's not real. I'm glad you said that, Rob, because the way Greg made it seem is that half the women in America are okay with incest. With the incest. On the show. On the Yes, on the show. Yeah. But it seems like a certain incest because with John and Danny, it's okay. But with Jamie and his sister, 
the queen. That's true. It's 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 like weird. Oh, they got mm. all these kids. They're brother and sister. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. They they do that a lot though. That's a that's a really good point because they do that a lot. It is. I, I was about to say that they're Danny, okay. Mm-hmm. When Danny burns people alive for not taking the knee, it's okay, kind of. But when Cersei kills people for the same thing, well, she's evil anyway. So they they do a lot of that kind of back and forth. Yeah, that's I was gonna true. say that people seem to be okay with it when the incest is between two good-looking people, but I think Jamie and Cersei are also good-looking. <laughs> so, like... No, I, I, I think it's all depending upon who's your favorite. You, yeah. People tend to overlook the, the faults of the people that they are behind or that they cheer for. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we evil people don't do incest if you're listening out there. That's... We're not allowed. <laughs> that's, that's good what... people, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say it's kind of like the the Breaking Bad syndrome. Like Walter White in the beginning, you're, oh, yeah. you're rooting for this guy, and then all of a sudden at the end, you're like, "Wow, he's a bad guy. He's killing people. He's a monster." All yeah, so you're, it, it, you it like until the baby cried. Yeah, yeah. When the baby started crying, I was like, "Oh, what, what have I done?" <laughs> so let us move on from the bedroom here and the incest conversation. Does anyone else has have anything else to say about incest? Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> okay. No. <laughs> so, uh, oh, as I was saying before, uh, guys, if we ever decide to to like work on this podcast or whatever, I do expect a giant map with little cutout people and moving it around because I love those scenes. I love the I love any scene with a map where they're sliding little wood carved figurines and stuff. And yeah, I think picturing the... some like squire carp like hand carving wooden statues. <laughs> Damn it. So that scene in you know in question. Um, all the kind of generals or higher ranking peoples come together to talk about their strategy for fighting King's Landing, which mm-hmm. God, it seems so soon after all the things have happened. And Sansa steps in and says, "We uh, a well rested army is a better fighting army." Mm-hmm. And John comes to the defense of Danny and says, "Now nah, go ahead and send him out right now." To where Sansa was like, "What the?" is wrong with you and are you <laughs> that look that she gives him is just so great she's like are you effing serious right now mm-hmm. and Arya says uh you know to john after they're walking away from the meeting agreeing to attack king's landing within a day and a half um Arya says we need to talk so but greg like you were saying the i think that scene where they're pulling the little figures that represent a certain amount of troops off the map really made you understand the magnitude of the loss that they had during that battle. With yeah, half, it's a, they said half of the Northmen, half of the Unsullied are gone. Basically half of all their troops are gone. Yeah. That that seemed kind of, that seemed like they had, I, I, that number seemed high. I thought they lost a lot more men than, than they were saying in that meeting. Mm-hmm. It seemed like they lost like I, 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 half of the Unsullied still there, half of the Northmen. I thought maybe like a quarter. Yeah. And which was weird because, they're like, oh, well, that that brings us to about even with the armies in King's Landing. And I was like, wait, what? Well, Y'all I still think have that's, that many people left. No, I think that's I think that's with the benefit of the two dragons that they have. Yeah. Uh, at the time. Yeah. Oh, spoiler! <laughs> and of course, they do mention some of the other other kingdoms. Dorne has pledged support. Yara took back the Iron Islands, so they have they have that availability. But of course, they do mention the Golden Company has arrived at King's Landing. So the the giant army of well paid, well 
equipped sellswords, basically, is down there. Yeah, they're all, like, super handsome, too. They're all, like, Jamie pre-losing his hand. <laughs> <laughs> so then, uh, yeah, you get that, that little conversation. It was, it was like a, a exercise in passive-aggressiveness, the Sansa and Danny conversation, which I thought was a little funny as they were kind of going back and forth about it. Some people think it's a good idea to go attack. Some people think that their their soldiers should rest. It was just, I don't know, it was a little passive-aggressive. Mm-hmm. But also this scene, because it's the four of them standing there talking, and this scene is where um, John kind of breaks the news to Sansa and Arya that eh, he's not really a Stark, or not entirely a Stark. And he has, uh, he has Bran explain to them the situation, which they don't actually do on camera, but I yeah, mean, it's kind of cut away with that reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has Bran tell them after Bran says, <laughs> they're like, Oh, tell us what's going on. And John's like, well, and he looks at Bran and Bran's like, no, it's your decision, man. And I think it really took Bran explaining to Arya and Sansa, like how it all happened. Cause he's seen it. Yeah. Not that they uh, wouldn't yeah. have believed John, but just like, Brain was there when he wasn't warging into an avocado. <laughs> yes. Here's the one part I had a little bit of a problem with, although I kind of understand how they, why they had to do it because of the shortness of the season. But mm-hmm. Bronn randomly not only arriving, but able to get into the castle with a giant crossbow right after a war and while they're sort of in a state of war. Uh, I understand that, like, first of all, he's more of a battler. He's not an assassin. Second of all, like he just kind of arrives and surprises them. And you, I really don't think he would have been able to get in there, but you know, Braun does arrive and kind of wants to bargain. And I, I understand why the scene had to be in there, but did you guys have any problem with the scene? Um, I, I feel like you're setting that up. No, I'm not. I'm just like, that was the one thing that was like, like, how would he get in there? How would he? And then they're just like, yeah, we'll give you uh, the high garden, which would, Looking back at what Highgarden actually means, money-wise and strategy-wise, that would have—that's one of the major families. Like, it's not really able to be just given, regardless of who wins. So it's just kind of a weird scene. Braun is just well, but that family is now extinct. Yeah. So she can give it, or they can give it away, basically, because that family yeah. is gone. Yeah, uh, same they, um, Braun is just one of those type of people that, like, if there's a nuclear disaster he seems to be like a cockroach like he would be alive he would still be there he is he was i'm not surprised he was able to get his way inside and just show up there he has to be very resilient throughout his uh time on the show so i'm not surprised at that i thought it was really interesting when he basically told them the plan that cersei came up with to kill both of them and uh Tyrion said what is it that the deal that we made like whatever so if somebody offers you money to kill me, I'll pay you double. And that's where the high garden mm-hmm. came in. I thought it was interesting and maybe a little foreshadowing where Bronn's like, all right, we have a deal. Say yes. Okay, cool. I'm out. My fighting days are over. <clears throat> Jamie says, you know, we could use another uh, officer. Bronn's like, nah, I'm out of here. I only need one of you guys alive. I'll come see you after the fight. One of them's not making it. Around this point, Sansa and Tyrion get a little bit of a chance to chat, and I just wanted to talk about this part a little bit just because of the the line that the Starks don't do too well in the South. And you know, Sansa kind of brings up that they, they haven't exactly had too much luck down in the South, and it kind of brings back all of the previous seasons that really any time the Starks went South, something terrible happened oh. to you know Ned, Sansa, et cetera, et cetera. 
Uh, and kind of the counterpoint to that, of course, is Tormund is like, yeah, I'm, I'm out of here without the big woman. I'm going, going north and taking the John, folk back home. Yep. And John's like, you should take ghost with me, ghost with you, the, the dire wolf, because he'll be happier up there. And it's like, damn it. Like, I know that ghost costs budget, but I, I wanted to see him just eat somebody. I now, mean, I guess not die. Was it was it just me, or did it seem like they've been rather inconsistent with the size of the dire wolf? Yeah, sometimes they look very large. Sometimes they look like regular sized wolf. Because because in that scene where he walked out, he looked like a regular sized wolf when he walked mm-hmm. over and stood next to Tormund. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but Tormund's a big guy, but not yeah, that he big. was. But Ghost was always the smallest of the others, right? Because the other was Arya when she uh, encountered her uh, dire wolf. Um, it looked huge compared to John's uh, ghost. Well, and and that's what I'm saying. I mean, it just it just seemed like they were all like they were fairly inconsistent because I thought one of the one of the characteristics of the dire wolf was that they're far larger than normal wolf. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about the real important issue here. <laughs> when, um, when, John did not say goodbye mm, to his you wolf. Son of a bitch. Yeah, I can't leave my house every day without petting each one of the dogs and scratching the cat under the chin and saying goodbye. And I know when Rob leaves the house, he talks to his dog. Mm-hmm. Cause I've been, I've been there and just being like, yeah, you go up North uh, later. Didn't even acknowledge. And it was it maybe kind of just kind of like, looked at him and walked away. Yeah. Maybe like John a little <laughs> less. Yeah. I'm now on team Cersei. I'm just saying uh, I'm now on team Cersei. I've moved. No, on. you're not. I'm not. So uh, one quick little yay moment. Uh, Gilly is pregnant. With yeah, Sam's Jamie movie. seemingly just smells her, and he's like, "Oh, I smell pregnancy," <laughs> is what I gathered from it. Because I was just like, oh, "Wait, what?" Yeah. So that uh, yay, hopefully, yay, yeah, hopefully they're... and uh, like, it's funny that we keep on wanting them to just not be on the show anymore, so that they survive. <laughs> like, please, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no because more you know, Sam is going to die if he just stays on screen. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. I don't know, or but no one's there to save keep... him anymore. Uh yeah. Everybody who saves Sam seems to die. So, and, and where is he going? Where Just, are they going? Are they, are they going back to the They're going back to the Citadel. Okay, giant ass library. I think. <laughs> yeah, it's right up yep. Sam's alley. But we, but we, yeah. we're basically breaking up the Scooby Gang here. I mean, Torment is going back north. Sam is going is going back to the Citadel. Sansa and Jamie and Brienne are all staying in Winterfell, and everybody else is going south. And. The next little bit of conversation, I believe it was Tyrion and Jamie or someone? Varys. Yes, it was Varys and Tyrion. I thought that this conversation is a lot like all the conversations that all of us people have on around water coolers and podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Like, well, what if Danny just marries John? Won't it be a problem? Or like, is that it? Like, would that solve all of the weird problems between the two of them and everything will be happy and good? Yeah, Varys finally drops the hammer and says, that's his aunt. And while and Tyrion mm-hmm. gives the argument that everybody has been giving since they found out about John and Danny, it's like, oh well, you know that's okay. The Targaryens <laughs> do that, and and Varys points out, yeah, but John was raised a Stark. Is that how they do it in the North? <laughs> yeah. But Sansa first told Tyrion though when they were having their chat, she told him, and it kind of seemed like um, something Littlefinger would do. It kind of looked like she was she was throwing it out there because she knew that. If Tyrion knew he was going to talk to Varys, and then maybe it would spread among the people. Uh, but Tyrion knows, and it's very much a I, I 
they they could have stood atop that rampart and just been like, "Do you know? Wait, do you know what you think I know? Do you, you know?" So they kind of break like, "Okay, we both." And and maybe Cersei will win, and we won't have to worry about it at all. Yeah. So that <laughs> argument, I I felt very much that Tyrion finally met his argumentative match and lost because while Tyrion very much seemed to be on team, like. Let's just have him get married and we'll all live happily ever after. I felt Varys was very much like, okay, go ahead and do that. I'm going to tell everybody. I think Varys also said that she was too she was too strong for him. She wouldn't want to co-rule. Co she did. Yeah, he did. She wants it all mm -hmm. or nothing. And then, of course, the conversation you hear a lot about, like, Jon Snow is, the type per is not the type of person that wants to be the king. Therefore, maybe he is the best, opportunity, best person to be the king. Yeah, and so Varys. Again, something that we say a lot, too. I think Varys implies her assassination. That's what it... And Tyrion says, but that would be treason. And Varys is just kind of like, eh. he, says, he says, I'm here to serve the realm. The realm. But our conversation is interrupted as we we see Danny flying with uh, Drogon and Rhaegal up above the ships as they're approaching Dragon Dragonstone? Is yeah, I think that's where they were heading. It, yeah. That's the name of it, right? Dragonstone? Yeah. As yeah, they're approaching yeah. Dragonstone, uh, Rhaegal is just getting used to being able to fly. He's got some tears in his wings and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So he's 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 having some difficulty. But, you know, they're flying above the ships. When all of a sudden, out of friggin' nowhere, Rhaegal takes a bolt in the chest. And you're and like, then, what, the, what the F? And then everywhere else. Yes. And I was, watching, I was watching this with Jen, and Jen was going... Oh, she's dreaming. It's okay. She's dreaming. This is this, this is just a nightmare. She's dreaming. <laughs> and he and took another one. Oh no, this is just out. a dream. This is just no. It's got to be a dream. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. So, Rob, we had this conversation earlier when you and I were alone. Um, why don't you tell us about the trajectory and mechanics of well? A so here's here's the thing. My my whole issue with this scene. And this, this for me was the big failing point of the episode because Euron basically comes in, kills Rhaegal, sinks the fleet that they're on. You know, uh, you, you think Missande is drowned. Everybody kind of washes up on the shore of Dragonstone. The, the fleet that they were on is in, is in ruins. I mean, all the ships are sunk and Euron basically sails away. And you've got this scene where Danny flies down at the ships. And she's playing a game of chicken with him. And, you know, you're like, oh, she's she's gone psycho. She's she's either going to die or take these ships out. And then she just pulls off and flies away because she doesn't want to risk Drogon. All right. I understand that. I can I, I can get behind that. But later on in the episode, you find out that Euron is not dead, which means he turned his ships around and sailed them all the way back to King's Landing. And I'm like, how in the F does Danny let them survive? And, mm -hmm. and they're. And it's like, well, you know, she's worried about Drogon. Well, that's fine and dandy, but the ships have to sail back. And it's like, all right. And if they turn well, around to sail back, all those those big scorpion ballista things were on the front. Right. And the thing is, is those scorpion ballista things, they're, they're fine if they're on a rotating platform. They can shoot 360 degrees. Great. The problem is, is those ballistas can't shoot up. You've got a certain incline that you can shoot with that ballista. And if you're above that incline, you're basically home free. So all she has to do is like dive bomb the ships and just roast them. And or wait till the ships start to sail away, come up behind them, 
the ballista turns around and it's shooting at the mast. And it's yeah. like, how in the... How do those ships make it back to King's Landing? I don't. That that is a huge fail on this episode. By the way, that that is my that is my problem with this episode right there because those ships should not have made it back, and Cersei should not know that they're down a drop. I got two problems. I got two problems with that too. Uh, number one, why didn't Danny just fly behind the ships? She was playing the chicken game. Why not fly behind them? And attack him from behind. I, I I thought that was that was crazy. And then why is she just flying around leisurely with her her dragons in the sky? I mean, like you're at war. You need to have your head on a swivel. You need to be paying attention. And and I'm just like, you know, it just the attack comes out of nowhere. She should have been paying attention. And this was my problem. She should have been paying attention, and she should have gone behind the ships and attacked from behind. And this is just one more little thing that's pushing Danny closer to the edge. So we're now down another dragon. So down two dragons total. Which which is super unfortunate because as you know, Mert was saying, I think Danny and, and Drogon and Regal were flying a little too close to the sun. However, I think Bran um instead of warging into a bottle of ranch dressing <laughs> could have maybe warged into to uh Regal and kind of seen forward but i don't know he's a three eyed raven he doesn't want any more and he doesn't care cuz he's weird and so there is a little bit of a frantic search on the beach where gray worm is little miss andy the assu- the assumption which we said earlier was that she drowned but find out a little bit later that uh she the was, case. was captured. And we're, we're going to buzz up to that point here real quick. So, you know, just a couple of little quick notes. Uh, Varys is, again, starting to kind of speak his mind a little bit. And it's like, look, you know, they're not going to, the people of King's Landing aren't going to be super thrilled if Danny comes and torches everybody. So we got to kind of talk her off the ledge. Maybe she should go speak to, to Cersei. Because the, mm-hmm. at this point, I think Danny knows Miss Sandy has been captured. That's, you know, another person that's a close confidant and has been loyal to her. Uh course the news gets up to to winterfell and sansa's not told with that of course and Mm -hmm. uh the other little thing here is that uh, jamie and brienne are kind of laying in bed together and jamie kind of sneaks up sneaks out and here's where there's been some more discussion in my household uh what do you think is going on with jamie suicide mission i think that jamie is uh not happier leaving winterfell um, but I think he's he's more at peace with telling Brienne what a piece of garbage he is, even though he's not anymore. He he kind of tells Brienne like I'm a womanizing killer, you know. Don't mourn for me. I and think he he yeah. rides off because because Brienne can't leave Sansa. She's sworn an oath to to stay with the Lady of Winterfell and protect her at all costs. And Jamie he's like, nah, I gotta go uh, do something. Whether that's rekindle his relationship or which is kind of what I think you're led to believe. Well, I, that wasn't what I got from that conversation. I, okay. I think I think that Jamie is at the point where he feels responsible for Cersei and he's got to go correct his mistake. And I think I think he's planning on going there to kill Cersei and he's not coming back, but he doesn't. He he wants Brienne to think that he's a terrible person, so he tells her, illustrates all the things that he has done in the past. Who who I honestly believe that's not really who he is anymore, but mm-hmm. he uses who he was to turn Brienne off so that he can feel better about leaving her, so that she won't be like, "Oh, Jamie, oh, you know, her heart will be broken, but she'll get over." What 
and will and she won't try to follow and get herself killed. Right. What's uh, Jamie's nickname? The uh, King Killer. King Slayer. King, King Slayer. King Slayer. Um, when I saw this, and some of my coworkers and, and I, we talked about this. We thought it was the same thing. And, and the, at first, I thought maybe he kind of hit it and quit it, and he was just like, "Hey, I hooked up with Brienne. Now I'm headed back <laughs> to King's Landing to get with my sister." But after thinking about it and watching it again, and me and my coworkers were talking about it, we were just basically come to the conclusion, like what, what you guys are saying, that we think he is headed back on a suicide mission. He, maybe he felt that Brienne would try to follow him, so he basically just tried to talk about himself, how bad of a piece of crap he is, so that mm-hmm. she would stay, yeah. so that she wouldn't come after him or try to stop him or try to go with him, because maybe he does care about her. Maybe he didn't want to put her in harm's way, but I think that... Um, Yep. We know we knew him from the beginning as Kingslayer, and I think that he may go out as maybe the queen. Perhaps. And the the yeah. one other thing that sprung to my mind was when I was first thinking, and I'm like, oh, is he really, like, are they really doing that? And then I'm like, oh, well, he was just warned that Cersei sent someone to kill him. And that's the one t- point where I was like, okay, that bronze scene does make a lot more sense now because it, Jamie's just like, that's it. I gotta, I gotta end this. It's It's gotten even darker than it was before. And we were talking about um, Cersei, uh, the the moves that she's making. To me, it looks like she's playing checkers and I'm sorry. It looks like Cersei is playing chess and Danny's playing checkers because one of the scenes that I thought was crazy impactful is that she opened up the gates and allowed all the people to come in and spread rumors. Oh, Danny's coming to burn up the, the kingdom. And she allowed all these innocent people inside King's Landing inside the the Red Keep, and mm-hmm. so if Danny attacks, she's mm-hmm. going to have to kill thousands of these innocent bystanders, and that was kind of what Barris was talking about. So I think Cersei is playing the long yep. game, like uh, she told uh, back in what season one when she told Ned Stark that when you play the Game of Thrones, you play to win or die. Mm-hmm. Yep, good callback. Yeah, definitely very good callback. Um, man, it, she even says, you know, to uh, Bill Nye, the Lannister guy, little science magician dude. She says, uh, no, leave the gates open because if, you know, the mother of dragons comes through, then she's going to have to come through all these people, which if Danny does come in full throttle, she's going to have to kill a lot of people. And, and that's going to think of her just like her father. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's close this out here. Uh, the, the final scene, interesting framing, interesting, I guess, lineup, you know, Danny goes to the gates with a small assortment of uh, the Unsullied. Mm-hmm. Tiny. And her with them and Tyrion there and Quyburn, or as Jimmy calls him, Bill Nye, the Lannister guy. And the the, the dragon way too close for my comfort. <laughs> uh, yeah. With, with all those, with where Belistas. they definitely showed all the big uh, ballistas up on the, the towers there. I was like, those things can definitely reach. And, you know, there's a little bit of conversation. It was, you know, Tyrion tries to do his best chatting and Quyburn is like, you know, you give up now or else we're killing Miss Andy because she's there up on the wall. And it was, it was, that was actually kind of tense, but I was more worried it about was. the dragon. Yeah. Definitely so worried that, uh, cause I kind of had the feeling that Miss Andy was gonna, gonna go, even though I really like her. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was way too close to the edge. Although I thought she was gonna go by her own hand to not give Cersei the, the pleasure. I thought she was mm-hmm. gonna just step off the wall. I actually thought Cersei was just going to push her off. Yeah, it was just a, it was a sad scene. You get, of course, seeing the, the, her pass away and then the look on Grey Worm's face. It was just was fairly, it was hard to watch. I am a little yes. glad they kind of cut to a long shot. Yeah, the mountain kind of took her head off. 
and then the two pieces fell down to the and that might be the last thing that pushes Danny over the because mm-hmm. that's where the episode ends. And uh yeah. So as as you were saying with the pushing her to the edge, that's that's really what I'm wondering is the show can go in two directions. She could go completely nuts and just show that she's just like her father and that the Targaryen uh, years and years of incest has led to some crazy, crazy leaders. And or if that's she's the gonna case, break. I was going to say, and if that's the case, I think John will end up being the one that kills her because I think, I think that would be the only thing that would get John to turn against Danny. John mm-hmm. is, John is full on behind his word and he's going to support Danny until the end, unless he sees her become the monster that her father was. And if she becomes the monster that her father was, John's John's honor will not allow him to sit by. Yeah, and and Danny does say, you know, in this episode, she says, "Well, if you know the crowds are going to be there, then they're going to see, um, you know, what tyranny Circe has, you know, committed, and I'm going to rain death on them." But it's a yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's a slippery slope. It's almost like all of her uh, counsel, they're trying to talk her out of what it seems like she's planning to do. It just seems like, uh, like, like you guys were saying, that the death of her dragon, the death of her most trusted mm-hmm. uh, ad- advisor. Now, it seems like she is to go off on that, and she's basically going to turn into the monster that they have been accusing yeah. her of being. And, 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 and in that last scene, I was surprised that Tyrion made it because I thought for sure that he was going to get killed as well because he walked, you know, closer to the gate and tried mm-hmm. to plead for her to be released. So I just, I just, I, I was surprised that he made it. And there, there is one hope here that there's a little bit of the conversation that I thought that maybe Tyrion might have been playing that chess that we were hoping for, that we've mm-hmm. given him credit for, when he mentions that Cersei is pregnant and the look on Euron's face who thought she was pregnant with his kid is kind of like, wait, how does this dude know? Like, why does he know if I just learned? And then, of course, Euron already knows about Cersei and her brother because there's a conversation in a previous episode about that. So I'm wondering if that wasn't Tyrion trying to just kind of put that seed there that maybe she's lying to him, to Euron as well. I have such a hard time saying Euron because of Jimmy. <laughs> Did Euron actually rea- react, though? I uh, He's he's kind of in the background with like a with a weird look he on his face. I went back and looked. What? But it could I just don't... be his oh, dopey, dude, weird okay. face. His dopey, I want to punch him face. Greg, you made the comment to me earlier today that perhaps Euron finds out that the baby that is currently baking in Cersei's tummy is not his. And uh, that... Jimmy, you have such a way with words. You're, you're such a romantic. Thank you. Um, but maybe he finds out and he goes, oh, well, screw this. I'm out of here. But where's he going to go? I don't think there's anywhere for Euron to go because the Iron Islands are now controlled by Aya, Yara. Yeah, but he was he was Aya? a pirate for many years, just kind of going wherever he wanted to. Uh, I, I I guess that's possible, but I just really want him to to die slowly and painfully. <laughs> so we'll see. You know, we got two episodes left, and uh, they're I think they're going to be about an hour and twenty minutes each. So guys, we've got about three hours left of Game of Thrones. But stay tuned. We'll talk about it. If you guys have anything to add to the conversation, please find us on where? You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Give Me 5 podcast. You can reach us on Twitter or Instagram at Give Me 5 Pod. Or you can also email us directly, give me 5 podcast at gmail.com. 
Or you can show up randomly at Rob's house. He lives at 794 Smithson Way. Uh, feel free to throw rocks through his window. He likes that. Wow. Is that real? <laughs> no. Those poor people who live on 794 Smithson Way are going to be very mad at you. Oh. <laughs> and uh, if and you can also, uh, Merck, what is your uh, Twitter handle? Well, at Twitter. Awesome news. <laughs> at Twitter, you can reach me at mpricewftv. And then Instagram, I'm just my name, Mert Price. Awesome, guys. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for listening to us. Mert, thank you so much for joining us again. Yes, thank you. love to have you for the next two episodes of this that we're going to do. I I appreciate it so much. It's been great being here. Fun, but it's just kind of sad because we only have the two episodes to go. Hey, man, like I said, at any time, we'd love to have you. Let's do a proper interview and talk about your, your life story. I, I'd love to hear it. I have so many questions, like I said, about your profession. So we will talk after this, I promise. Just let me know whenever you're ready. It can happen to your family, all alone. We go big, we go home, we play this game of thrones. Okay. Mert so. thinks I'm funny, so... Mert and I are going to start our own podcast. He's laughing at us, not. No, I'm laughing with. I'm with.